Hi, I'm Adam. I'm a compulsive overeater. And I have no idea what I'm going to share. I was telling Michael to tell me that not to to ask me what I was going to share so I could remind myself not to think about what to share because I wanted, didn't want to obsess on it. But when I was hearing the steps um, this morning, um, the thing I realized was uh, the first thing that came to my head is that I wish the big book had been my parents. <laughs> because everything in it, well, maybe not to the wives, but or to the family but most of it I really love you know and um, I live by it and I've lived more than half my life by it Um, I came into the program in 1985 and I guess I'll tell you what it was like Um, I grew up in a pretty um, you know it's hard to talk about growing up in a dysfunctional family because um, uh, not Necessarily because I think I, I wonder if my mother is ever going to hear this <laughs> because she got herself back into program herself. She's but it's AA, and um, but I think it would be all right for her to hear it because it was a it, um, because um, as a result of this program and outside help, I do both. Um, uh, I have a good relationship with her today, which I never thought that would ever happen. And it wasn't like she was, a, I mean, a horrible person. She's not. She's a good person. She just had, she's not maternal, and she had no idea, you know, what to do. And she had, you know, you know it's a generational thing, you know, the way she... So anyway, I had a rough childhood because it was pretty cold. I was much, very much on my own. And um, I think my, my parents um, sort of... I always felt like I, I was more of a houseplant than a child. <laughs> and, um, yeah, and, and they treated, they did it well. They watered me and, and, and uh, fed me and kept me sheltered. And, and we had money growing up. My father made good money, and so we were, uh, grew up in New York. And uh, we lived in the village in a nice uh, townhouse, you know, in a, in a, in a, in a uh, brownstone and had a couple of floors there and went to a private school and um, uh, I was always heavy um, I think from the age of five that's when I started noticing it in the pictures um, and um, food was a place I would go um, I always was attracted to food um, candy I remember uh, very early and um, I like every kid I didn't think it was abnormal until um, my mother put me on Weight Watchers when I was 12 I was having trouble fitting in my clothes I was 50 pounds overweight I was only 5 foot tall and um, they, sent, they, uh, they sent me to uh, Weight Watchers with my little sister who was 6 years younger than me so she was like only six years old. She was like seven years old. Seventy-seven year old, the Weight Watchers. Because she had a problem too. Our whole family had problems. And uh, I did really well. I, I, I excelled. I loved ple- pleasing people because that's the way I, that's the way I learned to, uh, to get any kind of positive attention. And, um, uh, and my father was super critical so I would stay out of his way. And uh, my mother was 
mostly absent. She was very cold and withdrawn. So that's why I say I was like a houseplant. I felt like a houseplant. Um, uh, teased a bit. Got beat up a lot going to school. And... Um, uh, was very afraid all the time. I think that's sort of... Uh, I was afraid to go out of the house. I was afraid to ride the subways. I was afraid to ride the bus. Um, uh, I was afraid to actually walk out of the house. I remember at one point it got so bad that uh, my mother sent me down to the corner to get some milk and gave me a $10... a $5 bill. And, um, and I remember coming down the stairs... And this little kid came up to me. I mean, he came up to here on me. And he said, give me your money. And I went, yeah, okay. You know, because I'd never even thought of fighting back. I didn't know what that was. And um, uh, and I was just a scared kid. And um, anybody could have just looked at me funny. And I, you know. Um, and I didn't have, you know, my father wasn't interested. So I didn't really have a, you know, a father to go to and learn to fight. Uh, my mother would just say, oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. That was her response to everything. And so, um, anyway, so that's sort of where I came from. Um, plus, my father was very successful in his business and um, I wanted to do it too. It was, um, uh, but he was such a big figure in his business I just didn't feel I could, I could you know, compete. Plus, he was just so good at putting me down. Just, I mean, his whole deal was about telling me what was wrong with me. But I always saw it as a, as a burnishing kind of uh, activity. It was like he was burnishing my personality. And I would swallow everything he said, hook, line, and sinker, and really believe what he said about me. And uh, about being weak and... and, and, and uh, uh, really not competent and and, uh, and and for some reason that was my fault you know so I, I felt you know inherently defective and that never left me and it still comes up from time to time so anyway food was my uh, my safe spot you know I'd go to food and I'd stop worrying you know the minute I started eating I'd stop worrying about any of this stuff I, it was it was a quiet space. I would never I, I'd stop getting you know feeling tortured because life seemed like a torture. It was an endurance test for me, not not anything to enjoy. And um, uh, I went up and down, up and down. And then when I uh, I moved, I started in New York. I moved to Chicago. Tried many many different diets. Um, my last diet was Nutrisystem and I had lost a lot of weight on that and uh, moved to Los Angeles I had convinced them to give me you know they used to have I don't know how they do it now but they give you boxes of food you know and uh, it was like freeze dried or something and, you, and um, I convinced them to uh, give me two weeks worth of food for my trip across country I was driving and uh, I put it in big garbage bags. I put it in the back. I had a pickup truck. And I put it in the back of the truck. And I had a Volkswagen pickup truck. It was the coolest thing. Um, and uh, I never touched it. 
I started. I went for the vending machines the minute I left town, and um, uh, I gained ninety pounds in less than a year. And um, uh, my father's wife, um, new wife, la- uh, his third wife, um, she uh, she tricked me into program. She um, uh, she told me that she had been in OA and was a treasurer at a meeting and had relapsed and left the meeting and took the money. And she was afraid to come back to the meeting. She was embarrassed and would I come with her. It was a very elaborate story. I bought it. <laughs> and so she took me to, it was 1985, and she took me to the big meeting at Thalians, which was over at Cedar sinai um, And we walked into the meeting and there were all these beautiful people dressed in white sequins. Remember, this is 1985. Everybody was, you know, staying away. And, um, and it, there were donuts and cookies and coffee and everyone was smoking and happy and, and, and really, like, on fire. And uh, we walked in like, you know, I walked in like this and this guy comes over to us immediately and says, are you looking for OA? <laughs> and we said, yeah. He said, it's upstairs. They have a, you know, upstairs. Because we thought it was a big meeting. It was Thursday, but it was, it, the big meeting was on Friday. She had gotten the day wrong. So, but there was a little book study upstairs. And it was about a small circle of about a dozen middle-aged women. Nobody was thin. And I didn't know, they were reading out of the 12 and 12, and I had no idea what they were talking about, except that I got these chest pains. And um, I was aware enough that I knew if I was getting chest pains, it was either a heart attack or something significant was happening. And um, the chest pains wouldn't go away. So uh, I made the very smartest decision I ever made, which was I went to another meeting, because I knew it must be important. And... Um, uh, and there, this program saved my life because I didn't know until that moment that there were there was a way to relate to people that was the way part of me always knew we could relate to each other, um, which was with kindness and putting out a helping hand and. Um, Service and all the all the values that we see in the big book, in the twelve steps, and particularly in the traditions. And um, I, what I noticed in the room immediately was the lack of judgment. I mean, people may have been judging, but they were keeping it to themselves. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God for the traditions. <laughs> and because um, I judge too. I mean, um, we all do this part of being human. But uh, they weren't doing it like my father did. And I saw uh, a, a, a community. And I remember thinking, I always knew there was something like this. Um, and I was so grateful to have found it. Because um, up till that point, I had, n- I had never encountered it. And um, I... I, I you know, I remember uh, at my third meeting, Doris, if anyone remembers Doris, um, God bless her, she was in this room, 
um, I think it might have been this meeting I remember very early on I was standing in the back of the room and she came up to me and she said you're one of the lifers I can tell you're going to be here for the rest of your life and I half of me thought that was horrific and the other part of me thought it was fantastic you know and I felt really you know grateful that she said that to me because um, I've always remembered that and, and I've had many problems in this program uh, relapses and um, program my own acceptance of recovery and um, uh, but I never left the rooms in my mind I left the rooms twice um, once for eight years and once for six years um, but I never left the program it was always in my head so let me tell you about what happened um, I mean uh, yeah what it was like what happened so what happened was I got in the program and that first year was uh, when I when I saw this loving community I thought it was uh, miraculous and I was those people that got on that pink cloud for the first year and it was uh, easy every you know the weight just fell off abstinence I didn't have to define anything I knew how to eat we all know how to eat you know we all know how to eat badly and we all know how to eat well right I think and um, so food was food it meant nothing to me it was lifted um, and that lasted for about the lifted lasted for about nine months I guess and I got involved with uh, we did the oh, we used to have a play every year at the OA birthday and I would and Len would write it and direct it and and, um, uh, and I would be in it and um, I became uh, sort of a, a mini celebrity I guess in program especially had a lot we were a different program and we were all like in our late 20s you know we were very um, hormonal and um, it was a blast you know it was really hard to keep that first year you know say don't have any relationships for the first year and I was like uh, that's really hard you know and um, but uh, we, we were falling all over each other we were like puppy dogs you know, we would go to each other. We we ran around in in, in groups in in herds, or what do you call it, in packs. You know, and we and we go to each other's houses and just kind of lay all of it, literally lay on the floor, talking program on you know with everybody's heads on everybody else. We were all just like this group of puppy dogs, and um, we loved it. And uh, we were so uh, innocent. I I didn't know what was. I, you know, I, I had no idea what it was like to be with people, and I had stayed away from people all my life. And um, but uh, I started slowly taking back control, and or the illusion of control, um, because um, I started. You know, we're human, right? And no human. There's no such thing as a utopian community. You know, it's it's. Or certainly the way I saw it, you know, I saw it as everybody being nice and loving and 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 gentle, and everyone we were all giving each other back massages and you know and all that kind of stuff. And um, I became disillusioned. I started um, seeing some people behaving badly, some people controlling, trying to control things, and I started recognizing it, you know, noticing it, just being human. 
I got on the um, board of directors of the intergroup and I was the vice chair and the woman um, she was great um, good friends um, uh, she uh, I, I wonder if I should well anyway she was pretty controlling character and um, and I was pretty passive because that was my what I learned to be and she thought she could you know anything she said wow alright so to make a long story short I became disillusioned because I really she wanted me to do what she wanted and, and there was this whole big thing with the HAL program it started and everyone that was scared of the HAL program because it was so strict and they thought they were breaking traditions and it's a whole historical thing if you want to know I'll, I'll tell you but um, I was in charge I was charged with uh, going to the HAL meetings to see if they were breaking traditions or not and I came back and I said no I don't think they're breaking traditions and they she was furious with me because she, <laughs> and because she wanted to throw him out of OA and um, I became really disillusioned and I went out after that and I didn't know why all I knew was that it wasn't what I thought it was, should be and I, and program really wasn't what I thought it was and I just didn't know I was just immature and didn't understand human nature and um, and I went out for eight years and I gained back all my weight and more I gained back 150 pounds mm. and um, I ran as fast as I could from program even though I always had it in my head it was the worst eight years of my life and uh, I'll never forget it and um, I crawled back into the rooms after eight years and uh, sat in the back and now I had been so uh, in front of the room, all the you know for that first three years I was a program. I was, uh, you know, I was speaking everywhere. I was, I was, uh, I, I was very visible. And then I hid out in the back of the room for a year, and, and everyone had changed after eight years. I didn't recognize hardly anybody, and um, I was scared to speak. And I knew at that point I had been in therapy now long enough to know that. My ego was very, uh, you know, I, 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 I realized that it was too seductive to be the center of attention, so I needed to stay back because uh, uh, that was feeding the disease. And so I did. And, um, and then after a year, I think it was Ben. Ben got me into another program. And sorry I'm breaking your anonymity um, he um, uh, was in Howe at the time and he took and he said why don't you try Howe and it was the last thing I wanted to try because they were they were crazy they were food obsessed and they were dieting everything. and it was everything that I thought was wrong and sorry for the newcomer I'm probably talking about you know something that doesn't isn't really not important and confusing but it's another food program and it really ended up working for me and I was shocked because I was the last person to be disciplined about my food I didn't believe in it I thought it was uh, nonsense and yet this was a very disciplined program where they gave you a diet you know a food plan they gave you you had to call your three people a day you had to call your sponsor every day you had to write a question every day it was a very intensive way of working a program and it's exactly what I needed at that time and um 
that worked for a while and I got like four years of abstinence like twice but I kept on relapsing and once I would relapse because I kept on thinking I'd take control and um, uh, and I really got chewed up and spit out over that over this idea that I could take control I've learned since then that I am like a, a man with his legs cut off I am always going to be a compulsive reader. It will always be there. You know, we used to say, uh, you know, the disease is always in the next room doing push-ups while I'm recovering. And if I let it, it'll come out and it'll always beat me because it's using my mind against me. It's using my unconscious mind against me. So it's got, it's got you know, and most of my mind is unconscious anyway. So, it's, I mean, it's, it's got... It's got all the chips. I mean, it's, 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 a, it's a losing proposition to try to fight this disease. And um, the only way that I found um, is surrendering to the program. And, and that, the only way to do that for me is to have this concept of a higher power, um, whatever it is, it has changed over the years, and know that I'm not... And, you know, even as... I was an atheist when I first came in. Um, and but at least knowing that I was not of my higher power I can't believe it that's time wow um, uh, knowing that I'm not my higher power tells me that I can't control the universe and I can't control my eating and I can't control my life and there's all kinds of things I can't control this is all really really what I wanted to talk about I, but anyway um, and uh that's the only time I find recovery. And I'll just wrap it up with this. You know, I, uh, as I um, let go of control, um, uh, the more I accept what is and take life on life's terms and not try to make it the way I envision it ought to be, um, the more, the happier I am, the more content I am, and... Um, uh, it has really this particularly last this last year couple of years um, I, I, I have uh, I've gotten sick and um, uh, I have this autoimmune disease that's caused nerve damage and it really hasn't affected my life and and yet I feel more content and happier now than I ever did um, because it was a real hardcore lesson in life on life's terms and um, that's exactly what this program is about. Um, and, and, and that comes back to the food because I have to eat healthy to, to have a healthy life and, and not be obsessed with this thing, you know, the survival instinct thing that's gone awry which, with the food. And um, anyway, I'll leave the rest of the questions. Thanks for being here. This is a time for questions only. There is no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with another, any one of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that the opinions of the leader are my own and not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself. Please remember, if you ask a question, your voice may be audible on the OA podcast. And questions end at 9.50 or, yeah. Wow, that was Oh, thank you so much for your share.
My absence now is uh, I, I, I'm going to do it's the loosest absence I've ever had, and it's been the most effective. Well, not most effective, but the it's um, I, I am I don't stress about food anymore. Um, my absence is no Cheetos. That's my one big red light food. I know it's embarrassing, but it is. I can't when I start on those. I can't. I try to stuff my mouth as then I'll choke I mean it's nuts um, and then everything else is alright but I, I try to you know the, the gray sheet uh, food plan you know the how food plan is a great way to eat so I sort of um, I, I, I aim at that I'm not always successful and I don't worry about it and um, particularly now with this sickness and I don't want to blame this weight gain I've had on prednisone but prednisone is tough and um, I've been on it for a year now, and um, it's really screwing with my appetite and just my state of mind. It's, um, um, but you know, I still. Um, so my absence now is uh, three meals a day. Um, I'll have a snack if I want it, um, but and I don't. Uh, and I stay away from stuff. And I just and I try to keep actually this definition in mind that I and that I don't. Um, Actually, a lot with what I, this crosstalk, what Ellie was saying was, you know, try to not to eat. Try to notice when I'm using food, when I'm eating compulsively, and if I am, to cut it out, <laughs> because a I know better, or to reach out, which is really hard, and you know, because I don't want to at the time, but I do. And sometimes I'm not perfect at this at all. I'm not actually good at it, um, but I do the best I can, and just give myself a break on it. And uh, my sponsor keeps telling me that. He said, look, you know, you're, you know, just let it be. You're, you know, it's, it's going to get better. And I trust that. And um, I'm just not so hard on myself anymore. And I'm not saying this is fat serenity, um, which I used to love to accuse other people of in my head. Um <laughs> <laughs> I remember we tried to start a meeting once years ago um, where because uh, there was a group of us that felt like there wasn't enough abstinence in OA there was all this fat serenity everyone was pitching for the podium and they were 100 pounds overweight you know taking 7 year candles and, and uh, so we were going to start a meeting where there was there was real abstinence and we were trying to write the format and um I felt so privileged to be there because I was, I was, I, I only had three years of abstinence and all these old timers were there and I felt like I was in the elite and, and so I said, okay, how do we write a format that doesn't, is not critical but gets the message across that we don't want that abstinence? And, um, so I, 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 we all wrote our little formats. I wrote one and I don't remember what I wrote but I, but I was too on the nose with it and I was really like it was really critical and I read it to everybody and jaws dropped and everyone went you can't do that that's like that's fascist you know <laughs> and I was so you know I was just ignorant you know and um, and um, I'd learned to stop judging and pretty much I don't judge about it um 
And um, the weight is what it is. You know, when I'm on higher doses, I eat more. When I'm on lower doses, I eat less. I, you know, the, I, I'm not in the compulsion, I can tell you that. Um, but, uh, you know, it hasn't triggered that. It hasn't lit the fire, thank God. Um, but, you know, even just the act of eating can do that. You know, we have a tough disease. I mean, I guess alcoholics it could be the act of drinking water probably could trigger them. So it's not, it's not like we don't all have triggers with these addictions. But sometimes just the act of eating, just getting hungry can do it. So it's really... And like when I was in Howe, I'll just... One of the great things about weighing and measuring my food was that every time I weighed and measured the food, I would pray. I'd say, I'm doing this for you, God, because I'll never do this for myself. Because uh, I hated myself, you know, and I still I struggle with that. And I think, you know, that's a core part of this disease for a lot of people is self-hatred. And um, so I would never lose weight or never eat healthy or take care of myself for me. But for my higher power, there's something about that... Um, it's, it's a surrender at every meal, and it was very powerful, and, and it really furthered my spiritual program a lot to do that. Um, anyway, thanks for the question. In the wake of absent parents, yeah. what kind of steps or tools did you use to come to start parenting yourself? I went to ACA, <laughs> and... Um, now, the question was, how did I, in the lack of, of sober parents, did I parent myself? Um, I, well, I went to food first, of course, and then um, uh, uh, I, 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 I withdrew from life. And then um, once I got in the program and I saw that it was safe to come out a little bit, um, I heard about self-parenting for the first time in program, and um, and this was the 80s, and it was a fad. The new age was very hot, hot, and ACA was a fad at that point. And I started going to those meetings where that a lot of talk was about that. Um, and so I literally, uh, uh, you know, read a lot of books about it. And um, carried around a teddy bear for a little while. You know, I did. I did that. Um, slept with a teddy bear for a little. While. I acknowledged the child, and I went to workshops. I really did a lot of work on it, um, and it really helped. Even when I was out in my relapse, I was still going to those meetings and doing those workshops. And just acknowledging that there was something of value inside me. Uh, and that needed nurturing because I didn't get it and I realized it, I had a lot of catching up to do. Um, I was still holding out, I still hold out on reaching out to others for nurturing and support. Um, and uh, it has shown up in every part of my life. Um, particularly, like I got, I, was mar- I got married through this and, and I did it mostly as a spiritual exercise because I knew that um, I couldn't uh, I was not equipped to be that intimate with somebody um, and I needed the practice and uh, Shauna was my wife and we divorced uh, sadly Um, 
because we just uh, I really wanted a partnership and she wanted something else and I was but I needed a lot of help and she and we were just on different wavelengths with that because I needed a lot of, I need a lot of help with that still um, just because the defense has come up too strongly um, just to try to you know the walls are up and uh, it's really hard to bring let them down um, but that's another uh, I wouldn't say it's another program because I think it's part of this disease of overeating as well for me it is anyway um, food is dependable will always give give me the results I need which is to check out and, and, and relieve the pain the emotional pain it always worked it always worked I mean and I didn't have consistency like that in any other part of my life when I was a kid or as an adult and um, so I've been learning to as part of the self-parenting I even got to a car accident once because I was talking to my inner child and uh, I remember uh, the, the leader of the workshop when I told her she said it's good to talk to your inner child just don't let him drive <laughs> and so um, so anyway, uh, what I've learned through, um, I do a lot of uh, uh, six and seven step work because, um, but I have to realize it's in God's time, which is very frustrating. Wow, five minutes, okay. And um, uh, what was I going to say? Um, that... Um, uh, healing the inner child, uh, you know that that part of myself. Um, I kind of cringe now at that term for some reason. Um, I know my first sponsor when I started doing inner child work. He said, "You know what I do with my inner child? If he misbehaves, I put him over my knee. That's what I do with my inner child." So, and, you know, that was Spencer. <laughs> yeah, right. And uh, anyway. Thank um, Thank you. Today, to support. Yeah. Just be your rule your life. Right. And so, you have a higher power that you. How does your higher power fit in with dealing with you? Right. So the question is: Is fear still ruling my life, and how does my higher power fit in with uh, dealing with the fear? Um, this last year has been amazing because I had a real incident. They thought I had cancer, and they—I thought I was going to die for a while. And it took nine months to to to, um, uh, uh, to diagnose this thing. And now I realize it's a disease that can be managed, and I'm not going to die from it, uh, likely. <laughs> and um, but I, that was a real concrete thing to be afraid of and it taught me that uh, I've, I've been learning how um, all this chatter in my head and all the way I see the world is, are stories you know and they're not necessarily true and I think I started my real recovery started probably about 10 years ago when I understood that I couldn't trust what my brain was telling me I couldn't trust that my brain was a, an objective observer and, 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 a, and, and something I could depend on to, show, to tell me the truth about what was really happening and that's all I depended on I mean that's 
that's I ha- that's the only all I could depend on at the time, and so um, what has happened is um, uh, I pray even if I don't know who I'm praying to because my higher power has really changed a lot, and um, even my own belief system in a higher power is another story. Whether it may be true or not, it doesn't matter really. Um, you know that that picture of the elephant with the seven blind men. You know, de- describing the elephant. There's this. Uh, you know, I think it's a. I don't know. Is a Buddhist thing. I don't know what it is. But there's seven blind men describing an elephant, and but they're all touching different parts of the elephant. So they 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 all feel like the elephant is something else. You know, it's, the one is feeling the trunk and saying, "Oh, it's a long, skinny thing, and it's wet on the inside, and that's an elephant." And another one's feeling tail. Well, no, it's a rat. You know, thing that does this a lot and slaps you in the face and another you know so everyone's got a different idea of what an elephant is and so I let it be that way and somehow now things are starting to fall away and a lot of the fear is starting to fall away and the feeling of faith in a higher power is growing Um, the more um, and I I don't know how that's happened Um, except I think I've learned to look at the evidence real evidence in life as opposed to the story and focus on the real evidence of life of what has happened in my life instead of what I imagine is going to happen and what I'm afraid is going to happen and the more and I talk to myself a lot about that so I'll say it out loud sometimes like it's that's not real that's K-Fuck radio in my head and um, and uh and also gratitude lists have helped a lot and I do it every morning I wake up and just through my daily morning routine I thank God that I can do what I'm doing at the moment you know and um, and it, it, the, like the, my walking is really hard from this nerve damage and, and yet I find myself grateful that I can do it at all right so it's sort of um, and um I don't know why I think that's my higher power doing it, but what else could be doing it? I mean, how the hell am I alive in the first place, right? So, I st- you know, at the moment, I, 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 I just let it be a story. I mean, that's the way my brain understands things. And, um, and not take it all so seriously. Thanks for letting me. Thank you.